With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm a motorsports writer for The Athletic, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi, also a motorsports writer for The Athletic. <laughs> we are in two different places, but we saw two uh, exciting races. I think they were exciting. Um, I'm at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, where I just watched the Formula One race. Jordan is at Homestead Miami Speedway, where he just watched the NASCAR race. We're going to talk about both. But first of all, let's bring in Jordan. How are you doing, Jordan? I'm doing well. You had a great race today in, in uh, at Coda. That was fun. The last 10, 15 laps there. It was really exciting, actually. I mean, I I, uh, I would thought, okay, so <laughs> is it weird that my first thought about these races at some days is that I think I can't wait to like needle Jordan about this on the podcast. Like that's my thought okay. when a race is unfolding. I can't wait to use this as fodder for the podcast so I can just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, I so thought I, I was going to be. It crossed my mind too because I was, you know, obviously the races are going at the same time, but I saw your tweet because I get alerts from you. And I saw your tweet that Verstappen had the issue of pit road and Hamilton was going to take the lead. And you're like, I forgot what you said, but basically, like, oh my goodness, it's like, is Hamilton going to win? And I was like, oh, geez. Oh, I'm not going to hear the. Like, literally. So then I flipped on the race on my computer to watch the last however number of laps and i was like oh my goodness i'm gonna never hear the end of it people are <laughs> tweeting me this by the way and i like, saw I'm that like, i saw that like yeah like fork emojis and i'm like oh okay fine whatever i'll own it if he wins he wins that's great so i was <laughs> yeah, like what well, am i gonna say and i'm like oh <laughs> now i'm gonna worry about it for a week <laughs> yeah no i well At least. according to lewis you're not gonna have to worry about it the rest of the season he said that was their last chance or last best chance so um, See, I but, was right. Thank you. <laughs> well, that's more about the car than him, I think. But uh, okay. we'll, we'll get I'm into that. Thinking. We'll get into that later, and you can continue to stick a fork in Lewis's back. But uh, let's talk about the NASCAR race in Homestead first. Um, I was able to have the NASCAR race on for the entire time. Um, I guess I missed a few laps here and there, but I had it on mute, so I was really just um, trying to see what was going on, and then I just cut try to check Twitter because obviously the two big races in America, as you said, were exactly head to head. Uh, the NASCAR race started what 14 minutes before the F1 race, both on big networks. Um, you know, we can talk all day long about that's frustrating, but clearly each of these entities doesn't feel like they're in competition with the other one or they're not going to schedule around the other one. So that's just how it is. But anyway, um, so, uh, the, it looked like Kyle Larson was putting on quite the clinic there. And what was interesting to me about it was it was like many times a season, you might see somebody get off to a fast start, but they don't finish there or something happens or there's some weird 
crazy thing. It, it, it seems like it's been more often than not that the fastest car actually doesn't win uh, the race in NASCAR this year. And to, to that matter, we, we honestly haven't seen that many like dominant cars this season in NASCAR, where somebody is like, seems to be like way better than the rest of the field. But that was the case with Larson today, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, it was a butt kicking, right? I mean, really, if you didn't have the caution, kind of the sequence with Blaney there at the end, you, you probably don't get this. But it was an absolute butt kicking. And you, I think you make a really good point. You say, like, I don't remember a race this year, particularly on a mile and a half racetrack, right? I think we, we've seen it on short tracks a little bit. I mean, you go back to Martinsville in the spring. That felt like it was kind of decided but this on a mile and a half racetrack, we've talked about it all year. Like this has been some of the best racing. And today the racing wasn't bad. I don't, I, you know, it, you have to make a distinction. Like this was just different. Like this was a guy who came out and just beginning to end, just basically curb stomped everybody. And it's crazy. And he did it very well. And you know, we, I tweeted it. I think you maybe even did too, or you wrote about it. Like that Larson's never won here before it is shocking because he is so good here, but something always happens. Whether he, he messes up, he hits the wall, like it's a late caution, something just happens, right? And today, like he closed it out, and it was just it was an absolute stomping, and it was impressive to see what he was able to do because it was just he was this was like a perfect game almost, right? I mean, he didn't make any mistakes. I mean, he didn't make the Kyle Larson bounce bounce it off the wall. The pit crew was on their games today, like they just they executed from beginning to end. This looked vintage Kyle Larson like in a way it reminds me of the 600 last year where he just blew everybody's doors off and it was like it was like a precursor of what you knew was to come of like how good that team was going to be and obviously this year hasn't gone the way they wanted it to but that was this was this was this reminded you that this team is still when they're on their game are really 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 good yeah and I'll tell you what I mean obviously I'm sure it's mixed for Larson right because on the one hand you get the five team into the final four for owner's points, which is where the money is. Yep. But you also look at it from a driver's standpoint and say, man, had I just not made that mistake at the Roval or had the cardboard sign not come on the track? I mean, he probably sure. more looks at himself, but there's a lot of things though. I mean, like you can yeah. point at the Roval, but you can point throughout the year. Like they've left a lot of points, a lot of wins on the table and that starts to add up. And yeah, I mean, it's really easy to go back to the Roval and point to that, but even before that, it was it was so much this year. They've just been off and everything. Well, I mean, now now you know, you you get that Homestead win that was always sort of promised yeah. for him in the playoffs. Oh, if he gets to Homestead, he'll win because he'll win the championship kind of thing, right? If he's in the Final Four at Homestead, <laughs> and now he was in the playoffs, uh, at least owners wise, he got, he did get that win at Homestead in the playoffs, but it wasn't the championship race. Um, but it opens up the possibility of a split title. Uh, which yep. is, I mean, it's interesting to me. Uh, I don't know how much fans care about the owner title, but I think it's it could be interesting because you're gonna have you could in theory have multiple things to watch during the race. Like, oh, you know, the champion potential driver, especially this year, if they don't win the race, you could be like, oh, they're running third, but Larson's running second or first, so he's gonna win the owner title. The driver is gonna win the driver's title, and they're not gonna win. Uh, get their owner all the money or whatever. So anyway, I mean, we'll get to that later, you know, down the road in Phoenix, if if that's the scenario. But um, I don't mind it. I mean, it kind of gives another storyline. Um, but also just going back to real quick to like your comment about the racing itself and how like, you know, it was sort of different. It wasn't maybe as compelling as some of the other mile and a half track races that we've seen this year. 
but the race, there was no problem with the racing. I, I totally agree with that because like Homestead, you go there and you just think like, you're not expecting craziness, right? Like you're not expecting a big wreck. You're not expecting, um, you know, a lot of wacky stuff to happen. You're just like, okay, let's see these guys go out on a track where, you know, they have to manage their tires and they have to, um, you know, run against the wall without making mistakes or just run, try to run different lines to track somebody down if somebody's already running the wall. And it just plays out, right? And I think that's great. I mean, you don't always have to have some crazy thing happening. Just let them go decide it. And especially during the playoffs, when it's this point in the season and you want things to be as straight up as possible, this was great. Like, I have no problems with this race whatsoever. I know people might say like, oh, you know, one guy dominated, but I actually don't know what fans are going to say because I didn't see as much of the Twitter reaction today, being busy with the F1 stuff. But I have no problem with how this played out at all, really. No, I mean, it was an old school race. I don't have a problem with it. I'm not enamored with it. I'm like very much indifferent by it. I think it's probably the way I am. Like, it was a race, right? It was, it was perfectly acceptable. And it was interesting to me, I think, in how you had to manage this race. You had to manage your tires. You had to manage your pit stops, green flag runs. And some guys weren't able to do that, right? Like William Byron had a, a, a run there where he fell back, and it was costly. And Denny Hamlin was able to work his way forward. And you had all these different dynamics at play. So I was I was perfectly fine with this. I like races like this a little bit. I almost wish you wouldn't have the stage breaks in some respects because it, it would add another wrinkle to it of how you manage your tires. Can you divide up you know, your pit strategy a little bit more? Can you be more aggressive? Can you be conservative and try to catch somebody it opens up the box a little bit more, but I was fine with this. I mean, you're not always going to get a barn burn. I think that's part of the, you know, sometimes you, you have to manage your expectations of saying, yeah, the racing on the mile and a half tracks this year has been really, really good, but it's not always going to be like that. Sometimes you're just going to have races like this. This is, this was an old school race. Well, and what else I liked about it was that like, for instance, you had, um, you know, we, we would, we had talked before and, and even in like our race previews, previews and stuff, like who could be really good here? And we're like, you know, obviously Larson, Reddick, Briscoe, guys like that, right? And Bell. like Bell, yeah. Byron. And 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 like like you mentioned with Byron, like there was guys up there for a while, but then something would happen or they'd make mistakes, they'd lose their handling. I mean, um Briscoe was is a great example. I mean, it, a mistake, right? He hits the wall. Yeah. And he then was, they're done. Yeah. But that's what that's what this should come down to sometimes. Like you're you're putting it right on the edge, you're putting it you know, as close as you can be to stepping over the line. And, you know, it's a test of sort of who can go fast without making those errors. And somebody, you, you have to have people make errors in order for that to be a factor, right? Ryan Blaney spinning out even just on the access road, right? I yeah. mean, um, but those are the mistakes. I mean, Blaney made a mistake last week too, right? I mean, uh, you know, yeah. so I he think he was beating that, himself up bad today too, by the way. And look, that that's what these playoffs are about. This is what it should be. This is what we want to see, you know, the best drivers go out there and try to give it all they have. And, you know, sometimes you make mistakes or they're, you're not perfect, but this is what separates like a Larson because Larson used to do this all the time. We just talked about it at home. Yeah. You know, Larson used to do like the, you know, oh man, he's so fast for, at times, but he can't put a whole race together. And and now he's learned how to be a champion. He's learned how to race within himself. Um, you know, that's, that's not easy to do. I mean, there's only an elite group of guys who can ever reach that level. So, you know, when you see a guy who's fast and then, Oh, they scrape the wall or, Oh, something happens. 
that's okay because we want to we want to know as viewers that what we're seeing is reflective of like okay this is the best team best car or whatever and they're going out and settling it on the track and that's what i feel like happened so that's why i'm not going to sit here and be like oh god he was he was learning by nine seconds or whatever like okay because he was kicking everybody's butt it happens you know there'll be other crazy races if you want those kind of races yeah i know if we're seeing that every single week we can have a different conversation, but I think it's okay to have that every once in a while to say, especially in the playoffs though, especially, especially in, the playoffs. in the playoffs and especially on a track like this, where like this is a driver's quote unquote driver's track. Right. And it, it is nice to see it because it does show you just how difficult this is. And when you're Kyle Larson, you go out there for however number of number of laps and you run the wall and his, I saw his car, the right side of his car post race. Like, yeah, it had some marks on it, but it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't looking like it has in the past. Like this, this guy got everything he could out of that car. He went right up that line and he didn't cross it once and he did a great job and it was really good to see. And it was good to see Denny Hamlin struggle early and then figure it out and get better. And then they could, you know, they were, they were struggling. They were bad on restarts. They figured that out and they got a couple good restarts at the end. And Ross Chastain worked his way up from a really bad qualifying effort. And to your point about Briscoe, like he was just off. Like we both thought like this was a good opportunity for him to come here and Maybe he wins, maybe he doesn't, but he probably is going to finish in the top 10 and at least have a give himself an opportunity, right? Like, he was just off all day, and they struggled bad, and then he made a mistake. and then, But that underscores just how difficult this is. That's why I love this track. I really, really do. This, to me, is the best mile-and-a-half racetrack out there because it pushes drivers, and it makes them uncomfortable, and it puts them in a spot where they've got to make a choice of, like, do I want to go fast? And if I want to go fast, I'm going to have to take a chance. And if not, I'm going to back it down, and I'm probably going to get passed by somebody who's willing to go fast. It's a, it's a give and take. And, and I think that's why you know, I, I continue to feel like it was such a good place for the championship because if you want a track that's really going to put the drivers to the test and you know give the best of the best a, a chance to go out and show their stuff and just settle it between themselves, I mean, how could you find a better track for that than, than Homestead? You know, I mean, you that's can. just. I mean, unless you're unless you're going to Darlington or Bristol, right? I mean, those are the only two that other tracks that come to mind. But that's not, not even not really easy. Bristol at this point with with the way the car races. But Darlington, sure, yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, before this year, I would say Bristol, but you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, this was it, and to me, it's I love this track. I love everything about it. And Phoenix, the infrastructure they have built in Phoenix, like it is beautiful, right? They've done a really good job of building that up, and it's great. But man, this track though—you just can't replicate this. This is this is what it's being, and it felt so weird to be here this weekend and not have it be the championship. The last time I was at Homestead was for the November 2019 when they had the championship race here, and I've been back since. And to come back here, and there's no championship, there's no buzz about oh, these four guys in the race, you know, all of this talk. Like, there's none of that. It was just a race. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask you about that because obviously, I mean. We were at that race. I mean, together. I, I haven't been back since then either. Um, but I miss Homestead, and I miss and and when I whenever I think of Homestead, I think of those all those championship memories. I mean, I went to every championship race there from 2007 to 2019. So I have all these memories of just, you know, not only the great moments and the great races, but you know, like the last, Oh, this is the last time we're going to see this driver before he retires or the the last time we see this car or this paint scheme or this sponsor or whatever. Um, and then, you know, just like the personal elements of it, like, Oh, you know, 
I, I've had like, those have been my last races for several jobs I've had or something. And I'm going to start something new. And it's like, you have all these sort of emotions about that at the, the end of the year saying goodbye to people. Um, and so you, I just have such a soft spot for Homestead and it just had to be so weird. Like just to not, like you said, not have that atmosphere. I mean, what, what was, what were some of the big differences about it? Um, you know, just walking around. I mean, I assume they have a lot of the infra- infrastructure there and, and, you know, it wasn't like they have temporary stands and things like that. But I think since the last, last time we were there, stuff's but part of it's uh, been torn no. down. Right. So that had to look different. What, what else was different? I mean, you know, in the Xfinity truck series garage that cleans out after Saturday. Right. And then they put up like big tent and they had these, they had the drivers meeting there. Right? Oh, right. Right. Yeah. And then they had entertainment and everything. That today, walk through there with Bob Pockris as we're going to the tweet up, empty, like not there. Like it was just parking, you know, whatever. Like no, that wasn't there. Uh, there just wasn't a buzz. Like, you know, there wasn't that discernible like, oh, man, this is going to be special. What are we in for now? You know, you walk the grid pre-race and it's packed and you're like, this is going to be great. You don't know what you're going to see. And it felt like a fight in some respects, like, right? You don't have that. And all week, you know, you have the build up to it. You come down here, you got media day, you got – practice and qualifying like oh who, who's fast who's going to qualify well none of that really like i mean you you pay attention to qualifying obviously but it didn't feel like every little thing didn't have the same impact as it did before because it wasn't a winner take all showdown it was a this is a this is the second race in a round and if you don't do well here you still got one more chance next week and it's unfortunate it's just it's 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 just lost yeah, that's it's, it. Sounds like the you know you got a lot of like the the ghosts of championships past sort of lingering around there that you can feel it, but it's not. It's just not uh, not the same. But um, I'm I'm still gonna hold out hope. Maybe it's maybe I'm totally naive. Um, I probably am, but I'm still gonna hold out hope that somehow someday we could see another championship race there, and it's probably not anytime soon. That- I, mean, but, I don't think that's naive, though. I really don't. I mean, I think it's fair to say from people I've spoken to, like, I'm not going to be surprised if NASCAR starts rotating this championship on some level, right? I mean, so in a couple, whether that's in a couple years at Phoenix goes, I, you know, Auto Club is in play, right? Right. Um, you know, there's not many. Well, I guess my point is, there's not really a lot of venues that you can bring this race to if you're going to have it in early November. Homestead is on that list, so. You know, do you want to bring it to Atlanta? I don't know if you want to do that or not, to be honest with you. Do you want to bring no. it to Texas? Hell no. Like, I mean, you're, you're really limited on your options. So if the idea is to rotate this around and try to give it like a big feel, like I would think at some point it's going to come back here. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to be optimistic for that. But you don't know, like, you know, let's let's say they build the new auto club track and, um, you know, that turns out to be a, a hit or something. And they've And they're obviously going to put a lot of money into making that a good place just as they did with the Phoenix project. And they're not going to want to be like, all right, well you can have one shot at this and then we're, we're pulling yeah. it probably. So they'll, they'll probably want to try to have it there for a few years, which I get, but um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't mind just homestead always just, I like tradition. I like sort of the routine and the rhythm of things. So, um, but you know, it's just me. Um, so let's talk about the playoff picture now um, going into Martinsville. So, you know, obviously Logano's locked in, and and it seems like, I mean, for all the talk again about Ross Chastain, he's in the best position of anyone points yeah. wise to move on. All he has to do is really go have just a a solid Martinsville. He's what plus nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it looks like he's, unless something goes wrong, I mean, which is possible at Martinsville, obviously, but he looks like he's headed to the Final Four the way he's running. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I'm going to have a piece on Ross Chastain later this week. Um, kind of what we talked about in this and how, you know, how do you curb his aggressiveness and how what has he done as a driver differently, right? And I talked to Justin Marks about this. I talked to Ross a little bit about it. And, like, you could see it today. You know, there was times when he could have pushed. And he said, like, I, I could have pushed really hard. And that old Ross probably would have done that. And I would have put myself in a bad spot. But today... I let Kyle Larson go at certain times. And, and Cliff Daniels came over the radio and actually and said, hey, thanks, Ross. Appreciate that. You know, like it's little, little things of picking and choosing your spots of saying, okay, now is a good time to push. Now is a good time to kind of lay back. And he's getting the performance. The, the performance out of the race car is now matching the results because there was a long stretch this summer where he was fast in just about every single week. And every single week, something would happen, right? He, somebody would hit him. He'd hit somebody, whatever. He'd make a mistake. And they were finished outside the top 10. Now, what are they doing? Like, he's just making good, smart decisions. And he's in a really good spot at Martinsville. Like, I mean, he's kind of controls his destiny in some respects. Yeah, I mean, really, especially if you can go out, qualify well. We think Martinsville is probably going to be a big track position race um, like it was last in the spring. And uh, he finished fifth in the spring there. That's his, that's that's Ross Chastain's only top 15 in his career um, at Martinsville. But... Obviously, he wasn't in a good car for most of those. Um, and then recently, you know, being able to go there and run fifth, again, you know, he, you just get some stage points, stay out of trouble. He's, he's going to be in good shape. Now, Chase Elliott is a little bit closer to the bubble. He's plus 11. But when you think of Chase Elliott going to Martinsville, uh, you don't really feel any sort of panic for him or anything, do you? I mean, you feel pretty confident about Chase Elliott being able to go there and run well. I feel like he gets around there plenty well. He's won, he's won there before, so yeah. it'll be fine. He, yeah, I mean, he's you, in a good. I'm not concerned. No, I mean, he feels like he's. We can almost pencil him in for the. Yeah, I mean, the only I, I know the it's, only, eleven points is not huge, but I just don't yeah. feel like he's gonna. He's not gonna do anything that's gonna cost him. The only concern I have is when you go to Martinsville, you can get caught up in someone else's mess real easy, and your day can go sideways. If he gets caught up in something and he has a bad day and he doesn't get stage points, then who knows? But, yeah, but if I he mean, goes out there, there's, there's, I guess it depends if it's traditional Martinsville or like spring race Martinsville, because if it's like spring race Martinsville, there's not going to be many restarts. They're not going to bunch up the field very often. Um, and there's going to be less opportunity for something weird to happen or to get spun or something like that. Um, and I don't know. I just, I, it's, I don't know. I just, I, I don't see it being a great race, I guess. And I see it being a very strong qualifying track position type race. And so if you, if you sort of take out the what if of getting caught in somebody else's mess, like if, if it's just straight up for performance for Chase Elliott, I th- you would think he's good, right? Yeah, exactly. But you just don't know. 
So now the intriguing part really comes down to William Byron and Denny Hamlin. They're separated by five points. William Byron has a spot right now. William Byron, of course, won at Martinsville in the spring, but Denny Hamlin is a five-time Martinsville winner, one of the all-time Martinsville masters. So, you know, that that's where it gets tricky because it's like, well, you know, who has the better short track program at this point? Who's going to qualify better? Who's going to get stage points? You know, I, the fact that Byron won there and really dominated yep. in the spring, I'd almost kind of give him the edge. What do you I think? I would too, because I would too. And don't forget, Denny struggled bad in the spring. Bad. He qualified poorly, qualified like 25th, uh, finished 28th. And I talked to him after that race, and he was just like, we were horrible. Like, that was maybe the worst we've ever ran here. And so you do something like that, you're out. And Byron was great. Byron has been good here before. He's with Hendrick. Hendrick has got this place figured out very well. Um, I mean, Denny is a great short track racer, and that team is certainly capable of figuring it out. But that would be a huge, huge turnaround for them. Yeah, I think it's going to be a challenge. And then the way we're looking at it, you know, owner points wise, even though it's not <laughs> going to be driver wise, if if Byron made it and Elliott made it and Larson made it on his owner points. Oh, no, I guess uh, the last it's person right would now, knock right out now, Byron, right? Yeah, right now yeah. it's Logano and Larson are locked in on the owner side. Right. And so you have two more spots open. Yeah, so, so I guess... You, you wouldn't necessarily. Well, yeah. You could still theoretically have three Hendrick cars. Well, Chastain would have to fall below, though. Yeah, below the Hendrick guys. You, yeah. yeah, I'm saying it's it's possible. I'm not saying right. it's likely. Right. Um. So now then it comes down to you know below Hamlin, you know pretty much. I mean, I'm not saying Blaney isn't an absolute must win because he's what 18 points out or something. But he says he's in a must win. I mean, y- you would think he is. I mean, that's going to be very he difficult. A lot of help. Yeah. yeah. So he's pretty much got to go there with the mentality of, I have to win this race. And, and of there. course, Christopher Bell and Chase Briscoe do. Now, what is your confidence level that any of the three of them could go win that race to make it and then knock down one of the spots on points, which would sure. knock out you know a Byron or Hamlin? Blaney is really, really good there. People don't, he's never won there, so it gets lost. But he runs really well there. He wins. He he leads laps. He wins stages. He puts himself in position. He sh- honestly should have two or three wins by now, and he doesn't. Which probably is the you could say that about his season and his career at this point. It seems like he should probably have more than he has. He's really good there. Him going there and winning wouldn't shock me. He has done it. He's come close many times. Um, Briscoe and Bell, I don't see it. I, I just don't see it. They have not. They don't have the track record of success there. Uh, maybe they, they, they figured it out. Martinsville's not a track that's easy to figure out. It takes a while. I, I just think that they are they're in trouble. Like this was their race to win today and they and it passed them by. And really if you go back to last week, you could say the same thing about Bell, no no fault of his own. I, I have no confidence in either one of those guys. But Blaney, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I really don't think that I can't really see any of the three of them winning it. And you and totally fair points, obviously, about Blaney, but the bottom line is he hasn't won this season. And so you're in the absolute last gasp must win scenario. And you've been trying to win all year. So now to go there and just say, 
all right, well, we got to win, especially after they've been making mistakes. You've got to put together 500 good laps there. Um, you've got to be, you know, almost perfect. I just think it's too tall of an order to be in that position um, when you haven't been winning. Um, and it's, you, you don't have that mentality. I mean, I, I just think that's, it's going to be really tough. I So I really think that it's just sort of a Byron Hamlin battle for the last spot. Obviously it could change, you know, if, if Elliot has any sort of problem or Chastain, I guess, but Chastain still has enough of a cushion. So, I mean, you could, it could, you could sort of interchange those names. Maybe it turns into like a Byron Elliott battle or a Hamlin Elliott battle for the last spot. Wouldn't that be something at Martinsville? Um, <laughs> but you know, I just don't see, I don't see a new winner at this point. So, um, now I could see a new winner, um, like from outside the playoffs, like, like a, Martin Truex Jr. Absolutely. Going there and being the 20th different winner of the season or something like that. I mean, heck, we we didn't really talk about it earlier, but I think only two of the top 10 drivers today were were playoff drivers, current playoff drivers. So, um, you know, the non-playoff guys are still very much in it and still very much stepping up and trying to show what they have. So, I mean, you know, somebody like that could go do it for sure. You know, heck, a Keselowski or somebody like that. I mean... Um, I, I could see yeah. somebody with a decent track record potentially putting something together, but, um, I just feel like there's just a lot of pressure for the guys who feel like they have to go do it. That's, that's just tough. That that's just my take. I mean, I could be totally, no, wrong, I, I get it. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I just, I look at Blaney's average finish there, 10th and what he's done there. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt to me. Like. I can't get over these past two weeks for him and the mistakes. Like they are self-inflicted mistakes. Crashed out running second at Vegas, was running second today, and spins himself out and finishes. Was he like, running 17? second when that happened? Yeah, first or second because it was wow. brief like pit stop. So I think he right. actually might have been first because of the way. But he was running second, really in reality. Wow. And like, what are you doing? Like, I mean, I, I, again, it's really easy for me to sit there and say like, don't crash. But that's just, it was like, a, you never see that though, right? Like you never see a guy spin off pit road, like in that scenario. And he did it. And it's just, I, I did the math and it was quick. Conservatively, 30 points. He cost himself these last two weeks. That's oh, huge. Wow. That's brutal. That's really brutal. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it was to that extent. And it's really frustrating, obviously, when you, you know, sort of only have yourself to blame and, um, and he yeah, owned so it. 30 more points would put him. I mean, third in the standings, six points ahead of Chase Elliott. And if that's being yeah. conservative, oh, ouch. Yeah. That's that's going to be pretty hard to live with, you know, honestly. Um, but it's not, it's not like you can, you know, it's, it's almost easier sometimes if you're, you know, say, hey, my engine blew or my car caught on fire or yeah, I got taken luck, out by know. somebody else's wreck or something. But when mm -hmm. you do it to yourself brutal that's that's probably one of the toughest things in racing i would think so and he was i mean he was he was beating himself up bad after the race i mean he was just you could tell like it was eating at him like he i asked him earlier this weekend like hey how'd you get past last weekend he's like you know i just kind of forgot about it and move forward and this one it didn't feel like this was going to be as easy to forget about yeah man that's that's big time auto racing i guess so is there anything else you wanted to address from the race or should we move on to the good race poll let's move on to the good race poll 
All right. Well, I really have no idea. <laughs> I mean, usually <laughs> I kind of cheat because I can sort of, I'm, I'm interacting, you know, so much with everybody on Twitter during the race. And I kind of have a sense of how people felt about it. I really haven't even gone back and looked at my replies in the last few hours, whether about F1 or NASCAR, just because it's been so busy. And, you know, we wanted to, we do our quick hits on the athletic now, right after the race uh, for NASCAR. And I wrote a column for F1 right after the race and then jumped right into this. So I really am flying blind here and I don't know what people are going to say. A lot of excuses right now. Whole yeah, lot yeah, of excuses. Yeah, no, it's bad. It's I'll, I'll admit. So, um, just for a total, I think I have to go first cause I won again. Didn't I? Yeah. Um, I think you did. just for a total, just flying blind, not knowing what people are going to say. Maybe people love Homestead like we do. So maybe they weren't totally bothered by like a, you know, not as, you know, like a butt kicking type race. Um, so maybe 75 we'll get, ah, you took oh, my number. Really? Okay. Well, I yeah. think it makes me feel better because I was like really not sure of myself. So if you think that then, you know, something in the seventies, that's, that makes me feel better. Yeah. I, I, I'll go 72%. 72. Okay. Yeah. 72 for you. 75 for me. I, I don't feel like it's going to be above 75 though. So I feel like you're probably in better shape, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I work out. You work out. What does that mean? Wait, you said I'm in better shape. So it's just oh, shape. sorry. Yeah, yeah, that okay. one flew right over my head. Yeah, it's okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <laughs> well, we should talk about F1 now since uh, I'm here at Coda. It's getting dark and I'm looking out the window and watching them pack up all the stuff. There's crates all over the front stretch and they're packing up the, the pace cars and the chase vehicles and... God, they have so much to pack up. Just all their hospitality stuff. It's crazy, uh, the logistics. But, um, man, it, this, was a, this was a big weekend here. And, and I know it's um, – I wasn't really sure what to expect because I'm like, I mean, the championship's wrapped up. Um, they've already had a U.S. race this season. Like, is this really going to be – like, is this where sort of the cracks start to show? Maybe, you know, like we start to be like, ah, maybe – the F1 hype train is starting to slow down. Uh, maybe it did like outside of this place, but I can tell you here it felt massive. I mean, there was 440,000 people over the three-day weekend, a record. All the drivers just gushing over like the fan support and how much they love the track and love the city, and they just like are so pleased with the American growth still. You mean you had like, 
Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, walking around the paddock. Felt like a big deal. Brad Pitt was here for all three days, like the entire day. Like by the third day today, I was just like, oh yeah, there's Brad Pitt again. You know, it was just like, geez, like this is, um, I mean, it's one thing to have like a celebrity pop in like Megan the Stallion, who you misidentified last year. That was bringing me yeah. some smiles. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I screwed up. Okay. No, it was, that was one of my favorite things about last year. I don't know uh, why. I'm so mean. I know. It was funny. It was funny. Was okay. You're sensitive about this. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring it up. Bring up. It's a no, bad memory. Fine. Give time. Um, Anyway, uh, you know, it's one thing for like the celebrity drop in to like get their face out there or something, right? But if it's like the person's like coming the whole weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I mean, you had like Pharrell and people like that here yesterday for qualifying day. And I, even some of the F1 people I was talking to, they're like, man, these people are here on a Saturday. Like, that's <laughs> they, they, that, that was like a sign of to them, like, man, this is still continuing to grow. So, um, you know, meanwhile, this weekend, you have the news that like, ESPN signs an extension with F1. They, ESPN says their ratings for F1 are up 30% uh, over last year, which was already a record. Um, also this weekend, you have the news that Logan Sargent is going to be the first American F1 driver since 2015, as long as his uh, practice sessions go well the rest of the year. Um, going to drive for Williams. So it just feels like there's a lot still going in in f1's favor right now obviously they're gonna have three races in the united states next year so there's still going to be questions of how will that affect things maybe the boring championship that they've had this year maybe that starts to maybe we start to see signs of that next year um you know in, in ratings or attendance or something but as of now it it still just feels like wow they're there's still a lot going on uh, that was that was positive. So, um, what can give me a sense of from afar? What did it? What was your sense of it? Like, did, did was there not as much hype? I mean, how did how did you feel from sort of the, the distant view of it since you were here it, last it year? Didn't feel like as much hype. It, it didn't have that same buzz. It was still a big deal, but just looking around the the landscape, the media landscape, and just in general. People didn't seem to be talking about it that much. Didn't seem to be kind of, you know, last year it was a lot of, and I, I wrote about it, I mean, like a lot of drivers survive and, and F1's growth and, and what's next, right? It doesn't feel like that. There's not really a lot of questions about what's next and, and is this going to continue or not. It just kind of felt like from the ones here, here's, a, you know, here's the race. It's, yes, it's a big deal, but it, it didn't feel like anything like last year at all. It didn't feel like Miami even. Interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. I mean, this to me being here, uh, it, it felt like, you know, it, I guess maybe the most comparable thing that I felt this year was like an Indy 500 race day. Sure. Like, um, this actually felt bigger than like the Miami race to me. Um, for some reason, just because I think that the, just the sheer amount of people, like for Miami, you had what? 80, 80,000 people. Yeah. Um, and just the sheer amount of people here and just seeing, just the massive humanity and, and how loud they were, you know, the media center is pretty enclosed and we don't have windows. It's a pretty big room and it's silent during the race. I think we talked about that on our last podcast that it's, it's like a library during the race mm-hmm. um, because they don't play the, the commentary because there's so many different languages being spoken. So all you hear during the race is when the driver radio comes on the screen, they'll play that. 
but otherwise it's like dead quiet in there. So when the cars would come around um, turn 20, the last tur- turn is where the media center is, um, right right at the beginning of the front stretch. Um, you know, you could hear the cars come by um, and that's really all the noise you would hear. But the when there would be like a pass on the track today, like, um, you know, when Leclerc and Sergio Perez were battling or, or Lewis, obviously, and Max, um, the, you could hear the crowd noise from outside, like inside in the media center. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was huge. Yeah. You could, um, I remember hearing that last year. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like, wow, that's, there's a, it just feels like there's a ton of people here. Um, you I mean, you could tell with the traffic and all that stuff. Um, I mean, even last night leaving for qualifying, um, we, we, I mean, we sat, it had to be over an hour just in the parking lot and it took a long time to get out of there, but you're like, well, I mean, it's just sort of like, this is just what it is. I mean, there's just a lot of people here, you know? Um, so yeah, it's interesting how it was, you feel like it was perceived differently outside. Um, but just like, I guess all I could speak to is the event feel here. Um, and, and just not only my own perspective, but just listening to the drivers, listening to the team principals and the F1 people and seeing the amount of, you know, sponsors. And I mean, they, I was last at this race. The only other time I've come to the Coda race was 2017. Um, I was on my own for jeffgluck.com at the time. And I shadowed Haas F1 team for the weekend. I got to be in like their garage and all that stuff and go to like a team dinner with them. I wrote this story about, you know, the ins, ins and outs of Haas F1 team and documented it all. And, you know, um, and like, yeah, like nobody cared at all. Like I, I wasn't getting any engagement on like social media, I wasn't getting people that read my stories, like nothing. It was sort of like, yeah, this race happened and just like it happened almost like in a bubble. And just the difference now, like even just seeing the amount of different grandstands they've put up, um, the, the you know, and they're all temporary, of course, but suite buildings and new hospitality areas. And especially when you compare it to like I was here in March for NASCAR and, you know, they just pretty much use the stands that are already here for that. And you're just like, wow, there's just like so much here. It's unbelievable. Um, so yeah, it just, it just, uh, I, I could go on, but, um, it just felt, it felt big, but anyway, thought we were going to see a, a Lewis Hamilton win. Um, Max Verstappen was leading the race cause, uh, Carlos signs, the pole sitter got spun on turn one of lap one by George Russell. And, uh, so he was out and, Charles Leclerc had a 10 place grid penalty. So, um, he was, you know, way from the back. So he wasn't part of it. Uh, Checo had a five place grid penalty. So he wasn't really in the mix. So it was really Max Verstappen and Lewis and, uh, Verstappen then on the last pit stop has an 11 second pit stop instead of like a two point, whatever, uh, his team, I guess the gun broke and they had to get a different gun to put it on. So, um, all of a sudden Lewis Hamilton's in the lead. And, and in fact, Max Verstappen was behind even Leclerc. He came out third in that sequence. And it was like, wow, this is, he has a lot of work to do here, but he was, yeah, you medium. thought Lewis was going to win. I absolutely did. I mean, Lewis at that point had, I think like a six second lead over yeah. Leclerc. And then, um, Leclerc had about a second lead over, uh, yeah, uh, over Verstappen. So Verstappen passes Leclerc. And then he has his medium tires that he was 
basically trying to run long, but he was able to track down Lewis and pass him uh, with about, I don't know, six laps to go or something. And that was it. And he drove away to the win, ties the uh, F1 single season record with 13 wins. Although I asked him, you know, what that, if he cares about that or how much he cares about it. And he, Max won't take, he just doesn't want to like, he's like, basically there's, there's so many more races in a season. Now you can't really yeah. compare. He didn't want to compare himself to like Michael Schumacher and uh, Michael Schumacher. Yeah, I mean, and Schumacher, because, most of Schumacher's career is racing 16, 17 races. It's hard to, yeah. Then it's 20, whatever this year. And so it's, you know, and, and Verstappen was like, I, I, I just don't really look at stats like that. Like he was, he was pretty much downplaying it, but he's clearly, there's three races left still. And he's clearly going to get the wins record before the year's over. Probably get it next week in Mexico City, you know. But uh, he says it's it's not really important to it. But one thing I thought was interesting afterwards is that somebody had asked Lewis Hamilton, you know, well, wh- where's you know of the remaining three races, where's your where's your best chance to win now? You know, for Mercedes, Mercedes still hasn't won a race all year. Um, and he he sort of paused and he was just like, look, we. We ha- we have to be realistic here. Like, we the only reason I was even up there today is because the you know the drivers I, I just mentioned were not in the mix bas- basically because of grid penalties or or Carlos Sainz's uh, incident. So they they weren't up there. Otherwise, he would have you know Lewis like I would have been behind them. And then you know look how look how fast the Red Bull car is. You know Verstappen came out third, and he was able to past Leclerc, the Ferraris are fast. He was able to pass him, track Lewis all the way down, and then still finish like four or five seconds ahead of Lewis after he passed him with like six, seven laps to go. So Lewis is basically like, look, I mean, we're all working on things for next year. And and Leclerc said the same thing. Like Leclerc said, we can be fast for one lap, but the Red Bulls are so fast. So it's just that kind of year. And, and until people figure out how to catch them, um, I don't, I don't see anything, anything changing, you know? No, I mean, it's going to be an interesting off season because Ferrari and Mercedes both have to make huge gains, huge gains. And you almost feel like Red Bull is going to have to make a step back. And that's a big ask. And I don't think you're going to see that. And it feels like we're now going to see where we we had a long succession of Mercedes dominance. It's now going to be Red Bull dominance. Lewis is getting older. Um, Ferrari has still got its issues. George Russell is, is talented, but he needs a good car behind him. Mercedes doesn't have that right now, or at least to the level they need. And he still has to make a big leap as well. Like who realistically can go toe to toe with Verstappen for a championship? And I, I don't know. If there's an answer to that question. I don't think there is. And I think that's why you're going to see Max continue to have these kind of years for the you know at least next year, and then maybe the year after that because. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of things that need to happen and it's, it's a lot. So I, I totally agree with where you're coming from. And that was my thought going into this weekend. And I was actually doing a story. I asked a couple drivers like Fernando Alonso and people like that about like, is this the start of like the max dominance, like the yeah, max yeah. era, right? And there's actually... I, I, I guess I guess what I'll say is from the people I talk to who know more about F1 than I do, uh, a lot might depend on this cost cap 
controversy. Sure. Um, so for those who haven't been paying attention, Red Bull is said to have exceeded the new cost cap by $1.8 million last year. Uh, the cost cap was $145 million for last year when they won the championship. It's $140 million this year and $135 million for next year. So all the other teams basically fell within this cap. Red Bull did not. I think Red Bull sort of leaked out wells because our catering budget went over by like 1.2 million or something like that. But the other teams are like, now, wait a minute. We all were within the, the, the cost cap. And Zach Brown from McLaren circulated this letter to teams <laughs> that he said, basically, if, if this is found to be true, this is cheating. If somebody did this, this is cheating. Use the word cheating. So Red Bull right now is, is within, um, sort of this, bargaining uh moment with the fia where they have to sort of come to an agreement on what the punishment is for this they have not done so yet they wanted it to be resolved by now it it didn't get resolved um now it's going to be put on hold even a little bit more because red bull founder dietrich mattishitz died this weekend Mm -hmm. and so now they're saying there's got to be a mourning period for it but christian horner the red bull team boss sat right next to Zach Brown who sent that letter this weekend. And boy, let me tell you, Jordan, that was a juicy press conference right there because Zach, uh, with, with Zach Brown sitting right there, Christian Horner absolutely teed off saying it was absolutely shocking that another competitor would accuse them of cheating without knowing all the facts. And they were, that Red Bull was appalled by this letter and that it was even affecting the mental health of Red Bull racing team employees. In fact, to the point where some of their children were being bullied on school playgrounds because of this cost cap controversy. So, um, all because of the catering budget, all because they, they ordered too many buns, Jeff, they ordered too many rolls. They, 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 they're going to have more people over at their, their hospitality tent than they needed. And they screwed up the catering budget. It happens. I mean, first of all, we need to get in on that. Next time we're both at a race, we need to get in the invite. If if the red if Red Bull is spending whatever their catering budget is plus one point two million dollars more on the food, um, I mean, you yeah. we 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 sat with Christian Horner um, at the Miami race and he was eating yeah. his lunch and it looked very tasty. I will say it was like a it was like a penne Alfredo kind of thing. Yes, with like big pieces of big chunks of mozzarella. You remember that? Like yeah, how I good that, that looked? Yeah. 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 I mean, that was memorable. So you could see why they spent a lot of money on their food. However, who's to say like when you say, okay, we spent more on the food, why are you targeting that and not saying, well, we spent more on the engineering? Wouldn't it just be easier? They said there was like a, a zillion line items or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And wouldn't it just be as just as easy to pick some other line item like, oh, our aero development. That was where we went over the budget. Like, why are you picking on the catering? Because it's nondescript. <laughs> if you if you say it's aero or it's our engine department or anything else, that is a performance thing. Well, right. I, I understand you're that, serving but... <laughs> too many rolls with the Alfredo. Eh, that's not going to really hurt you. Right. They want people to go. Ah, oh, it's not a big deal. But exactly. I'm telling you, the other drivers who were asked about this this weekend. I mean, like. Valtteri Botas, like he was, um, and granted he was part of the Mercedes team last year who was competing with them, but he was like, this needs to be a strict, harsh punishment. Carlos Sainz, uh, was like, they need to do something. Um, because the, the thought is that if they don't, 
then teams will just sort of like over, you know, go over the cap and then just get their wrist slapped and be like, oh, too bad, you know? So, yeah, I mean, there needs to be, there needs to be teeth. I mean, that, that's probably right. like if you're going to have this rule and it's supposed to be, a, you're going to have this cap, which is a big deal. And by the way, other motorsport series are looking at this, including NASCAR. You've got to have meat behind it, right? You've got to be able to drop the hammer. And otherwise, why even have it? And I, I get all that. And here's the thing, like, it doesn't change anything that happened last year. Like, it may impact going forward, but they may, they, I mean, I guess the case could be made, like, they could potentially have won the championship last year because they, they spent more money than Mercedes than they were supposed to. Right. Like, you can't retroactively change that. You're not going to change that. So, well, and so now that's, that's where it comes back to what your point was about Verstappen and, and the dominance. Yeah. And so some people feel that what the FIA might do and maybe where Red Bull disagree on the punishment is not only could obviously the, they can find them money, right? But that doesn't matter to Red Bull. What they could do is dock them some amount of wind tunnel time, aero testing time, which would cripple them enough or hamper them enough so that they would not be able to win the championship next year, maybe the year after. Um, so that's where like the Verstappen thing. Yes, he is absolutely elite right now. He's the best, he's the best driver on the best team and fastest car clearly. But all of a sudden it's, it's the teams are close enough that if you really, if you hurt Red Bull enough, and Mercedes and Ferrari, you know, yeah, stay at their level or make gains. Yes. I mean, you could you could see a different season next year. So it's going to be very, very, very interesting. Keep an eye on what happens with this cost cap stuff and what the punishment will be ultimately because um, that could make a difference. And it could change how we look at Verstappen because all of a sudden, just like we did with Lewis Hamilton last year, he goes from, oh, he's about to win his eighth championship to now he can't win a race. Jordan Bianchi says there's a fork in his back. So obviously a lot. Race. What's that? Hasn't won a race. Not well, wrong. I, well, my point is a lot has to do with the car. So we could be saying, are you going to be saying that next year about Max Verstappen? Probably not, yeah. but um, we don't know. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Cause that's going to be, that's probably the only drama that's left in F1 this year right now. You're, you're right. And my thing is, is I guess I have so little confidence in the FIA, right. In how they manage this and them to effectively come up with a penalty that is that fits the crime and then that this thing isn't going to go through the courts and is and Red Bull's not going to find a loophole to get this thrown out or minimize to some degree like I just have zero confidence in this and that and that's the problem and maybe I'm wrong hopefully I am because again this is something that you can't mess with I don't care how many rolls you order you went over your budget cap you 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 did it that's on you but Ultimately, we have seen this before. Like it, it, things, the FIA is reluctant to do something because for various reasons, and then the team doesn't like it, and they appeal, and it goes to the courts, and the next thing you know, it's basically we're washing our hands of it, we're moving on. But it's the same. It's the same argument as in NASCAR with messing with a um, single source supplier part, right? Sure. Like everybody says, like, hey, NASCAR, we want you to crack down on this. We, you can't let this get out of hand because. If you don't come down harshly on this people, everybody's going to start tinkering with their stuff. So it's the same thing. The FIA now has to send enough of a statement and, and make enough of a strong stance that because look, even if they even if they say 
okay, we'll take away wind tunnel time from you next year and you won't win the championship. Red Bull might look back at it and go, we just got two championships in back-to-back years, mm-hmm. including the constructors this year, um, you know, for overspending. We'll take the punishment of not winning it next year and then we'll regroup for the year after that. Like maybe that's a bargain that the teams can live with. Sure. So it's really, it's a, it's a very, very tricky spot here. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see see what happens i almost wish i was uh going to the next race or two just to be like following the story because i mean that this was like that was kind of like the story of the weekend everybody's asking everybody about it you know um and people aren't shy about their opinions too i tell you what was really eye-opening jordan uh, and i thought this is actually pretty cool so they're having that press conference yesterday and first of all shout out to the f1 reporters the f1 beat media they are very professional but they ask Tough, hard, but fair questions. I mean, they were not letting Horner off the hook at all, you know, about this stuff. And and Zach to Zach Brown, too. Like, I mean, the, the questions they were asking, I was like, wow. Like, because, I mean, it's, you know, in our little NASCAR bubble, you can get away with some hard questions. But if you sort of keep going down that road, people get mad at you. <laughs> Is that the case? Get, I, get I didn't know sensitive, that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so David Croft, Crofty. Yeah. who we hear on the Sky Sports broadcast, he, he was in the press conference. He asked one of like the most direct uh, sort of biting, I guess, questions in a way. Not biting, but just, I mean, it was fair. But he asked a question in the press conference to Christian Horner like that put Horner on his heels a little bit. What was the question? Um, I'd, I'd have to go back to find the exact transcript. Uh, but it was kind of like, wow, this is this is the TV announcer the broadcaster like the play-by-play guy <laughs> in the press That's conference doing this the, uh i just thought i was like wow this is this is something else like even he's getting sure. in on it so um, that's how it should be i actually i actually ran into him in the paddock today and i i stopped him and said hey man kudos to you for that like that was uh i i, I don't know i just i i just thought it was impressive usually um you would just think like the beat writers are the ones asking that kind of stuff, but I don't know. Um, anyway. Yeah. I, I respect hard hitting journalism. People not afraid to ask questions that need to be asked. Yeah, actually I can pull it up for you right now. He said, um, we're all conduits to the fans who want to understand what is happening with the cost cap. And there's been lots of views put on social media and discussions by the fans. But as far as I see it, Red Bull is the only team that have been accused of overspending. However, that overspend has happened. However, innocently that might have happened. And I'm not accusing Red Bull of cheating here. A figure of 1.8 million has been quoted and the team hasn't denied this. So however much, however innocent that overspend has been, you've still benefited. Am I right? From an extra 1.8 million that could have gone into car development that you shouldn't have had under a cost cap. So do you concede that you have benefited by an overspend and that may and that that may in some way have contributed to the success you've achieved in 2021 and in 2022 so far? I was like, great wow, qu- I know, That's right? That's a great question. A little wordy, though. We yes, gotten, yes. We could have gotten to the crux of it a little sooner. Still a TV uh, guy, but yeah, still. A little, little, yeah, a little, little too much jibber-jabber to begin with. It'll kind of set it up a little too much, but really, though, he hammered it at the end. That was good. That was, it was good. I would, I'd give that like a B plus. I mean, I, I'm giving it an A for the uh, yeah I for mean, the guts to ask it. That the A for know? the guts, A for the yeah. guts, B for the execution. Okay, okay. 
Uh, anyway, I, I was just like, you know, as, as sort of an outsider to this world, um, I was just like, man, is that how they do stuff here? Like they just go for the throat on these guys. <laughs> um, What's the toughest question you've ever asked somebody? The toughest question I've ever asked somebody. Um, well, it's easy to think of a few because they've always gotten me in trouble. Um, this one I actually regret, uh, because it wasn't the right time and place, but um, in, let's see, 2000, remember when Casey Kane pushed the security down, security guard down at yeah. Homestead and there was like a lawsuit or something? Yeah, yeah. But you didn't really like push him down though, wasn't it? It wasn't. No, I think Casey Kane knocked the security guard down because the guy, he didn't have his hard card and the guys tried to stop him. So he just like pushed him. Okay. Yeah. The guy he fell have... down or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something like he... that. Yeah. Anyway, Kane didn't talk the entire off season. This was in maybe 2008 or 2009 or something like that. Right. And, um, there was this, like the first event of speed weeks was this Dodge media dinner. And, um, they were making the drivers available for an open Q and a at this dinner. So like Casey Kane was there, I think like Juan Pablo Montoya. Um, so we got to ask questions at this thing. And then there was going to be breakout one-on-one sessions later. So Casey Kane uh, everybody's kind of like wondering what Casey Kane's going to say about this lawsuit or what this, you know, security guard had alleged. Cause that was at home said those last race of the season. So nobody had talked to him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Casey's getting all these questions. Nobody asked him about this incident. And I was just like, man, somebody has got to ask him about this. Like how, wh- what were the, we have to ask these questions. Like it just has to be asked. So, um, I, in front of everybody in this entire dinner, like raised my hand. I was like, Casey, you were accused of this. Like, do you have any comment on it? And he was like, basically like gave a short answer, but he was like seething. And then, um, I think he didn't do the one-on-one interviews afterwards, which my, one of my coworkers at the time was trying to get a story with him and was very mad at me because I ruined the whole thing. So in retrospect, I should have asked that question, but I should have waited Till it was not in front of everybody off to the side. I was a young reporter. Didn't know yeah. how this worked. I thought you could just be like, like, look, the New York media, like the, the people that cover the Yankees are different than the people that cover. Like it, it's a different vibe than when you're covering NASCAR. It's just, it just is you, you just can't, uh, you just can't ask some of those questions without getting people seriously mad at you and then won't talk to you anymore or whatever. There, it's just, I mean, I don't know how to explain why, but that's just how it is. So you just have to pick your spots better. Um, so I don't know if that was the toughest question I've ever asked anybody. It doesn't even seem that tough at all, but that was one that comes to mind because I got uh, in trouble. People got mad at me for it. So, okay, gotcha. That's um, a good, that's an interesting story, but it's a good lesson. Like, you can ask tough questions, but make sure to pick your right spots, you know, pick it. Yeah, but I, I guess in this, in this case for F1, when they put them up on that, press yeah. conversation even the moderator you know will in <laughs> f1 ask some tough follow-up questions like he doesn't let people off the hook like it'll be like like uh during this press conference with zach brown and christian horner for instance right like christian saying all the stuff and he goes and the moderator says zach would you like to respond to that like oh the moderator like you're stirring it too wow okay it's like a debate man he's just sitting there like letting both sides you know make sure they have equal but like the guys are used to it. They don't like get mad. They're not like, how dare you ask me this? You know, (laughs) um, like they're just like, okay, this is how it is. So, um, 
I'm not saying one's good or bad. I'm just saying this is how it is. So it's just eye opening for me to be in that, that environment. That's all. I probably went off way too much of a tangent here, but whatever. Anyway, uh, I don't know if there was anything else to talk about. Um, I got to see a green day concert. That That's, was cool. Green day is great. That's the first concert I went to was green day and they put on a heck of a show. Yeah, there was probably, gosh, probably 50,000 people at that concert. It's, it's for, free for all the ticket holders mm-hmm. on Fridays and Saturdays. They had an Ed Sheeran concert Saturday night, but I, I didn't go to that one. No Why offense. Ed, Ed Sheeran's Sheeran. great. That's, uh, you know, that's fine. It's, it's, you, you got to walk all the way to turn 11, which is like uh, one and a half miles away or two miles away. It's a big track. And then there was, like I said, from the Green Day one, there was like 50,000 people or something on this grass. Um, which is, it's cool, but I mean, you're, you're in a lot of traffic afterwards. I just didn't want to, I just want to deal with it, but. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I don't really know what else there was from this weekend, but, um, I tell you what, even now it's still over a year from the Vegas night race yeah. for F1 and they're still all like the drivers, everybody keeps talking about it, man, that Vegas race is going to be crazy. Oh, that Vegas race. I can't wait to see. That's going to be nuts. You know, uh, yeah. it's like. 13 months away and they're saying that so i think it's gonna be great and i think coda this weekend from an outsider's perspective it kind of solidified coda's spot right in a lot of respects like there was a lot of hype about miami there's a huge amount of hype for vegas and there was always like where you know can you have three grand prix in the u.s and coda showed like you got 400 how many was it 450 jeff 430 whatever the number was 440,000. yeah yeah like that's pretty damn good i mean that's incredible and like this, I think Coda has firmly established itself as, quote, and this is probably the wrong expression, but like the blue collar Formula One race, right? Like if you're a Formula One fan on a budget, like Coda is your best bet to go because Vegas probably is not going to be affordable and Miami's kind of going in that direction too. And it's going to be interesting. And I think ultimately the one thing I really, as I've talked to people about this over the last few months and, and really over the last year is I think you're going to end up seeing Vegas impact more Miami than Coda, you know? And, Very interesting. You know, I, question, I think that's true, yeah. And I, and I question really the staying power of Miami because, if you you know, Miami this year was all about the glitz and the glamour, kind of like a mini Monaco, right? That's how it was touted. But that's great for year one, but you've got to be able to continue to do that year after year. Well, where are people going to want to go next year? Are you going to go to Miami again or are you going to go to Vegas? Pretty simple, right? So well, and, is- and the tickets, so the general admission ticket for the weekend here, you could get a general admission for the entire weekend for $300 is what my That's not bad. Was. That's not, no. that's not crazy. No, for three days, plus the concerts no, and everything like that, right? That's really reasonable. All things considered. Yeah. But Miami, it was what? $750 or $800 or something like yeah, that? It, yeah. yeah. And Vegas number. is going to be even more than Miami. And, so and, yeah. like, yeah, this, you know, this, this is the race where. This is going to be like the accessible race, like you're saying, like sort of the blue collar race. If you're if you're an F1 fan and you're not going to be able to afford to like get a hundred thousand dollar a night balcony suite for the Vegas races, which they're they're talking about for some of the hotels, um, you can go to Coda, spend your money. People bring their chairs, sit on the hillside, sit where in the turns or whatever. You know, you get to see the every driver goes that fan forum thing in the amphitheater, you get the concerts. I mean, it, it was three pack days of stuff. You know, you get three practice sessions qualifying. Um, you get to go on the front stretch afterwards with Shaq DJing, you know, all that stuff. So, I mean, there's, there's value there for Coda. So I, I agree with you. And plus the drivers, 
the drivers really love this track because you can race on it. Like everybody praised it as far as like, this has elements of like old school tracks. This is a traditional track where like Miami and Vegas are just more street circuits that they keep building. And that's the important thing too. I was going to add is like Miami, you've got a hard cap on the number of people you can have there. Right. Coda keeps figuring out a way to add more and more people and they have the space. I mean, it's giant there. You can only add at some point, Miami and Vegas are going to hit a ceiling. Like you can't add any more seats, and and in Dakota, it feels like you have the opportunity to do that there. You you know, so we'll see. I I question. I, I think Coda is going to be around for a while. I think this really reinforces that. I think Vegas is going to have a a, a future. Uh, to me, Miami is the one. If you're looking at this, is like what is the future of Miami, and how long can this remain viable? And is this something that I know they got a ten year contract? We know how these contracts work. And is that something that five years from now we're still talking about as existing? Well, and and I do think, though, that what helps Miami for now is that it is so far away from Vegas on the calendar. You know, they're sure, at opposite sides help. of the year. Absolutely. And also the proximity is not close, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, think, I think you do have, you know, sort of three different races, three different markets, three different times a year. So I think there's something, and clearly the interest is there. I mean, at least to attend, I understand, again, like it's, I'm sure that NASCAR is still going to beat ratings, uh, beat F1 ratings wise in the U.S. for this weekend. Um, In America, NASCAR is still the dominant thing, but F1, you know, is obviously has a foothold now. Um, So we'll just see, we'll see what they do with it. And if it turns out to be a bubble uh, where the hype, dies off or you know maybe can it can somehow keep growing i don't know but we will see any final thoughts from this podcast jordan no this was fun i always enjoy the conversation by the way i want to say went to the tweet up today more than one person said to me they love it when i give you a hard time you didn't you didn't really do that in the entire episode that i can recall so i know i there really wasn't a good spot i was i was really i was kind of sitting here like kind of stewing almost like, man, what I can needle Jeff on? And I, there's honestly, you didn't really open any doors. I had you on the back foot from the start with Hamilton having such a good day that you, you were on the defensive. No, I was on the defensive. There was nothing really to make fun of you about. It just, it okay. sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> it I sucks. really, I really, really, I've been trying to be nicer to you lately. And it's just like, I can't do it. I just, I'm done. I All just, right. Well, we're going to be in Martin's person. <laughs> we're going to be in person for the next two weeks together. Are we doing a Halloween costume swap or something that someone suggested? Like no, you dress as no okay. way. No. Okay. I don't dress up in Halloween costumes to come to work. Sorry. Okay. Okay. You can. I mean, you you wore your Halloween costume today to your Miami Vice costume. That's not a Miami, Miami. First of all, it's not a costume. Oh. It's a stylish sports coat, and it fits the theme down here. So yes, I did wear it. It today. fits the theme, so that's like a costume, right? Kind of. Not a cost. Not a costume. It's oh. Style. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, we'll <laughs> we can hash this out in person next week and the week after. Boy, you're going to be sick of me. Boy, you are going to be so sick of me the next no, I never two weeks from now. No, two I, weeks I'm, from right now, we're going to be doing am, our championship podcast. How about that? That is that is crazy. It feels like the Daytona 500 was like 10 years ago. It, it does feel like it's been kind of a long year in a way. Yeah, not, not like in a bad way. It just feels no, it's like just it was, like a lot like, happened this year. A lot has happened. Yeah. A lot has happened. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, uh, thanks so much for listening to us and we'll have plenty of stories for you. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan's going to have stuff from Homestead. I'm going to have stuff from F1. Um, 
In fact, some of it's already being posted on the site as we speak. So uh, yeah, please sure, please please be sure. Excuse me to check that out on the Athletic. We would appreciate the support. And uh, of course, thanks as always for listening. And we will talk to you next time on the Terrace.